Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of finding fellowship with God. Our life is to be a constant dedication to God. This is in response to understanding the gospel of salvation, presenting our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, and not being fashioned to this world system, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove us that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, ladies and gentlemen, there is no exception if you're a Christian. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Considering eternity, Scripture is clear. There is no exception to the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, God is a God of second chances when it comes to our oft-repeated need for repentance. In fact, the very definition of revival is for wayward believers to get back on track with the ways of God. And today's Simple Truth study is as good an example as any for the house of Israel and their need to repent all over again. Pastor Xavier is leading a study series through the book of 1 Samuel and highlighting chapters 6 and 7 with a study titled, Repentance Precedes Revival. Let's listen. 1 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 19, and we will go through the entire chapter of 7. The message is entitled, Repentance Precedes Revival. Revival, defined according to the Bible, does not regard the unbeliever. It is for the believer who has become complacent and indifferent towards God. Revival is a sovereign work of God, be it with one person, or a group of people, one nation, one people, one neighbor, whatever it may be. As they are revived again to be passionately in love with God, but revival is for the believer not for the non-believer. The beginning of spiritual revival would serve as a foundation to establish the monarchy. And it's characterized by these three events. First, the return of the ark by God, from verse 19 of chapter 6 to verse 2 of chapter 7. Secondly, we have the return of the people to God, verse 3 through 8 of chapter 7. And then thirdly, the return of the land by God, verse 9 through 17. Notice the progression here. The return of the ark by God, the return of the people to God, and the return of the land by God. Look at 19 through 21 of chapter 6. The people of God became fearful of God. And rightly so. The Lord God judged them for intercepting the ark right here. The Lord struck the men of Bethshemesh, as it says right there, because they looked into the ark. These men who looked in it, they were judged by God. The Levites had taken the ark down from the Philistine cart, and they offered up sacrifices, we are told in verse 15 of chapter 6 and verse 18. And they had no business doing this. Only the high priest had access to God. And the men of Bethshemesh here, notice here, lamented over the great slaughter. Yet they knew that only the high priest could come before the Lord. So they sent there in verse 21 to the inhabitants of Kirhath-Jerim to come up and take the ark that the Philistines had sent. Chapter 7, the Kirhath-Jerim, these men, they wanted nothing to do with the ark. Notice in verse 1, the men came and they took the ark of the Lord into the house of Abinadab on the hill. The men consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord Yahweh. The ark was under the care of Eliezer for a long time. In fact, the ark remained there for 20 years in Kirhath-Jerim. Shiloh, without doubt, 
had been destroyed completely. Jeremiah speaks about the destruction of Shiloh. He told the people in, Jer- in his time in Jeremiah. He says, don't say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. God will judge you. Remember Shiloh. See, some people think they can hide in the house of God. Because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a garage makes your car. It's whether your life is given to Christ and He's real in your life and you're being obedient to His Word. That's what makes you a Christian. Notice in two still, these 20 years was a time when all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord, it says. There's the explanation. They without doubt were lamenting for the destruction of Shiloh. They without doubt probably were lamenting that at one time the tabern- the ark sat in the tabernacle. Now it's in the house of Obadiah. But the indication that Israel lamented for 20 years is the, is the, was the renewal commitment to God. They lamented after God for their sin. Recognizing it now. Notice secondly the return of the people to God. In verse 3 through 4, the prophet Samuel called the house of Israel to repentance. The conditions of repentance are declared by Samuel. Don't miss them. They're real simple, straightforward. Verse 3 there, the conditions were spoken by Samuel to all the house of Israel. The measure of repentance came first. If you return to the Lord Yahweh with all your heart. The evidence of repentance came second. Then put away the foreign gods, the Asherahs that are among you. The foundation of repentance came third. And prepare your hearts for the Lord Yahweh. And then the fruit of repentance came forth and serve him only. Four simple steps he gives. Now notice the promise of repentance was also declared by Samuel. In verse 3 there, God would deliver them from the land of the Philistines, the hands of the Philistines, and he would end their oppression. This would put their trust in the Lord Yahweh once again. The hand of the Lord would be against the Philistines. Now, so many of these pagans and atheists today and liberal progressives say, well, we don't believe in God. But why are they saying, well, well, how could God, if there's a God, how could he allow all this? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've kicked God out of our schools, out of our public life, out of our nation. And so God has honored us, step back, and when his hand is removed from us, protection is removed from us. You understand me? Our documents say in God we trust. Our coins say in God we trust. You would have to destroy every monument in Washington, D.C. to deny our founding fathers. If you've never gone to Washington, make the trip and read every one of them. And yet a few miles up on the hill, they're making laws against Judeo-Christian principles and denying the very foundation of our nation. We're denying history. We're rewriting history. Notice verse 4, the obedience to repentance from their idolatry was witnessed by Samuel. The children of Israel put away the Baals and the asterisks. Notice the plurality, the diverse forms of worship. Many gods, the Baals of the mountains, the Baals of the valley. And all of these, Asherah was the goddess of love and fertility. And Baal was the god of fertility of the storms, the son of Dagon. Both were worshipped with the botched sanctuary rites. This is what they were into. They were the people of God. The children of Israel served the Lord only. There's what has to take place. Now notice 5 and 6. The prophet Samuel heard the confession of the people. In verse 5, Samuel became the mediator. He's that high priest. He's the last of the judges. Samuel gave the location. 
They gathered all Israel to Mizpah. Mizpah means watchtower. The watchtower was in the uh, the vineyards and all, so they can watch for the enemy. Anybody would steal or any enemies would come. Here's the watchtower. God is watching. Now they're to be vigilant. The people of God would be observing what God would be doing, but God was observing now their confession. And he alone knows the heart again. Look at five still. God gave the purpose, and I will pray to the Lord Yahweh for you. Samuel would be reaching up to God on their behalf. Sin has been taken care of. Now there's access. You understand? Look at six. Samuel witnessed the process of repentance by the people. They gathered together in Mizpah, drew water. They poured it out before the Lord Yahweh, symbolic of grief, sorrow, purification, and consecration. A new start. A new beginning. Coming back to God. They fasted that day, denying themselves to seek God. Now, fasting doesn't make God answer. It only demonstrates that I love him and I want to hear him. And I put everything else aside so I'm concentrated on God. That's what it says. They said, we have sinned against the Lord Yahweh. Great. That's very specific, very personal. Sin is against God. Them with others and against others. They saw Samuel act as God's representative as he judged the children of Israel at Mizpah versus success. Sin has to come to that place to be judged. Now, verse 7 and 8, the prophet Samuel was asked to intercede by the people because there's access now, see? The obstacle has been taken care of. In verse 7, the occasion was that the Philistines came up against Israel. The Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah. And the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel, and the children of Israel, hearing of it, became afraid of the Philistines, and rightly so. They've been oppressed for all these years. They've never been able to defeat them. And so the petition was for prayer in verse 8. The request, so the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord Yahweh our God for us, for their deliverance, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Ayer Tory gave a prescription for revival. Listen to him carefully. I can give a prescription that will bring revival to any church and community or any city on the earth. First, let a few Christians, they need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. Second, let them bind themselves together in prayer groups to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. Third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God for him to use as he sees fit in winning others to Christ. That is all. This is a sure thing, he says, to bring revival to any church or community. He said he had given this prescription around the world, and every church and community had taken it. It had never failed. Listen to Habakkuk 3.2. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy, O Lord. This is what our nation needs. This is what the church needs today. You understand? Repentance is the only way for man to get right with God. No other way. Be it a Christian who has fallen into some sin. Be it a backslider who has been living in sin. Be it a believer who has gone back into the world, turning his back on Christ and denying his faith. Repentance is the way back. Listen to uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10. Now, I rejoice not 
that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. In the world, you hate what happened because you hate the consequences. It's called regret. Seller's remorse. (laughs) But godly repentance, you're glad you repented because you saw your sin against God and he forgave you and he changed your life around about face. Now you're not living for sin. You're not perfect, but you don't live the way you used to by the grace of God. You understand? Confession is a personal admission to God of the wrong and evil done. Be it to yourself or your body, be it to others or with others, be it in thought, word, or deed, because you don't have to do something. You can think it. You understand? 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The return of the people to God required self-judgment. If there isn't, then we're deceiving ourselves. Notice thirdly, you have the return of the land by God, verse 9 through 17. 9 through 12, the people had rededicated their lives here to God. Notice. In verse 9, Samuel interceded again for Israel. Samuel took the suckling land there, offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord Yahweh. The burnt offering represented dedication and consecration. You get offerings in Leviticus 1 through 7. And the offering would be totally consumed on the altar. Samuel cried out to the Lord Yahweh of Israel for their forgiveness and for him to help them against the Philistines. Notice Samuel heard the Lord Yahweh answer him. How did he hear? I just take it straight forward. I believe he heard his voice. We already know Samuel in chapter 3 heard the voice of God. He thought it was Eli the first two times. Then the third time God says, Samuel, Samuel. And it says, and the Lord stood in front of him. David heard the voice of God often. Solomon, why should I think anything different? That's what it says. Look at verse 10 and 11. Samuel's sacrifice was interrupted by the Philistines. Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. This is the third battle against the Philistines during Samuel's ministry. But the Lord thundered, it says, with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and he confused them, and they were overcome before Israel. God destroyed them. God discomfited them. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Beth Car. God goes before us and we see his glorious work and he lets us be the participants in it. You understand? Wow. Look at 12. Samuel set a monument to commemorate the event. Samuel took a stone and set it upon between Mizpah and Shen. Call the place Ebenezer. Thus far the Lord Yahweh has helped us. Ebenezer means stone of help. God is our rock. We've seen this over and over again. Removing the memory of the previous defeats of chapter 4. Now they're victorious. Have you built monuments in your life and shared them with your children when God provided financially for you, when God healed you, when God restored your marriage? The Old Testament says you put a stack of stones there So when the children grow up and they say, Dad, what does this mean? This is where God brought us across the Jordan in flood season. 
This is when God did this. This is when God did that. Are you sharing day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year with your children what God does for your life? Or are you keeping your religion private? God help you. God help your children. Look at 13 and 14. The people were made victorious over the Philistines. They were humbled and expelled from the land. So the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. There were no problem to Israel. That's what it's saying because we know that they were completely overcome in the days of David. But there was no problem. Again, God protected them. Protection comes from God. Doesn't mean the enemy is totally removed, but he's just not a problem. You understand? That's what he promises, protection. They were kept away by the Lord, it says in verse 13, the second part. And the hand of the Lord, Yahweh, was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. God's hand has been upon our nation. Our forefathers believed it. The writings say it. The monuments say it. But now we've asked God to remove his hand from us. Because we don't need him anymore. The Lord alone defeated the Philistines. The people were back in fellowship with God, having abandoned their idols. Notice verse 14, they were spoiled completely. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. Israel recovered territory from the hands of the Philistines. So people had failed to take all the land in the days of Joshua, as you know, through compromise. The people during the judges reaped the consequence of those compromises. And so anyone who compromises, it goes on and on and on until there's repentance. Notice they were protected from other enemies by God also. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. God is the only two protection, ladies and gentlemen. No one else. God is vigilant over his land and his people. His land is Israel. And the land belongs to the people of God because the land belongs to God. And they have the pink slip on it, the Bible. Notice 15 to 17, the people were educated in the word and the ways of God then. The length of Samuel's office, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. In verse 15, he was faithful to his call from his youth. He was faithful to the justice of God to be administered to the people of God. This is what's necessary in the land. Truth and justice. When a country becomes corrupt, the politicians become corrupt. When they lie bold-faced, we're in trouble. You understand? Real deep trouble. Like Eddie Haskell. Good morning, Ms. Cleaver. You look so nice today. Now, some of you kids may not know that, but... Um. <laughs> Notice the practice of Samuel's office, verse 16. He made yearly appearances in all the land. He went from year to year in the circuit from Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. He judged Israel in all those places. Now, when you start having righteous, godly men administering moral, ethical rights, principles, absolute right and wrong, then you begin to put a land on its solid foundations. You understand? The priority of Samuel was clear. 17. He had a responsibility to his home, but he always returned to Ramah for his home was there. And he had the responsibility to hear the majority of cases in Ramah. There he judged Israel, administering justice, and there he built an altar to the Lord Yahweh, administering worship. The two go hand in hand. Truth and the worship of God. 
If you say you're a Christian, you better not be lying. You better not be stealing. You better not be speaking out both sides of your mouth. I have to make sure I fear God. You understand? Our life is to be a constant dedication to God. This is in response to understanding the gospel of salvation, presenting our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, and not being fashioned to this world system, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no exception if you're a Christian. This is by stating that I am in fellowship with God and staying in fellowship with God by confessing my sins when I fall into sin, 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I write these things unto you that you do not practice sin, but when you stumble and fall, you have the advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, the lawyer for the defense. Thank God. This is by reckoning the old man dead, Romans 6, 6 and 6, 11. Every day I have to reckon the old man dead. I have sin nature. It will be there to the day I die. And I have to walk in the spirit and the new divine nature and say no to Xavier. Try it. You can do it. You can say no to yourself. In fact, it's the best thing you can ever do. This is by walking in the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Keep on keeping on walking in the Spirit. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you will walk in the flesh. It's A or B. There's no C. Our life will then be victorious by the hand of God and His help in our answers to prayers according to His will in and through our difficulties of life, and there will be many. We're not immune from hard times or difficulties as Christians. In the attacks of the enemy, he's ever-present like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. And giving us back some of the things that we've thrown away, the years the cankerworm has eaten. God's so merciful, is he not? <laughs> Listen to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our life will never grow, develop, or mature without the study of the Word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said that to Satan and the temptation in the wilderness. Listen to Proverbs 7, 1 through 5. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandment within you. Keep my commandments and live in my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman that does not meet, need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Do you know how to defend the word of God? Can you defend your faith against a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness? How about an emergent church? How about a good moral pagan? How about an atheist? If not, you better roll up your sleeves and go to school. If you call yourself a Christian, you have to know the Word of God. The return of the Lamb by God reveal the Philistines' judgment. God now bless this people. The transitional period from anarchy to monarchy was in motion beginning with a spiritual revival that would serve as the foundation to establish the monarchy. And it's characterized by these three events. The return of the ark by God revealed judgment. The return of the people to God requires self-judgment. And the return of the Lamb by God revealed the Philistines' judgment. 
repentance leads to revival, ladies and gentlemen. No other way. Indeed, if stepping out for Jesus gets easier, it's because the first step is on your knees. Pastor Xavier Reese drawing today's simple truths from 1 Samuel chapters 6 and 7. And this message titled Repentance Precedes Revival is available, as always, for only $4 upon request. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Repentance Precedes Revival, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com